Here we go. Welcome, welcome to your Monday inspired episode. Stacy and Samantha here with you today. How are you, Samantha? Oh my goodness. I just swallowed a piece of ice. I got to spit it out. <laughs> I, was, I was waiting for you to take that big sip before I, I, I asked you. I took the sip and then it was a piece of ice. You know what? We're on episode, I believe it's 51 this time. Yeah, and it's a this good is one. Today. This is a lot that started as a fun COVID project and it's turned into something real. So uh, inspired your grown-up girl talk. And um, I'm going to put grown-up girl talk in capital letters today because it this this one is uh, this one is good and I'm excited for it and I feel like um, I feel like there's a lot of chatter at uh, cocktail parties about social justice and things that we can do to improve our communities and uh, today we have a guest with us who is actually doing it and not just talking about it at cocktail parties so I want to welcome Chandra Alexander, who is the CEO of Community Action Marin. Good morning. Well, it's evening now, but good morning, Chandra. How are you? Good evening, Stacey and Sam. I'm so happy to be here. I'm good. It's definitely been a long day of long days. I'm so happy to see your smiling faces. And I'm really just grateful for this space to be real. It's wonderful. So thank you for the invite. I am really honored to be with somebody who actually is saving the world because we get up, I get up in the morning and I think I'm saving the world every day. But let's be honest, I'm, I, if I save myself, I think I'm doing pretty well. Um, you are actually walking the walk and saving the world. So uh, tell, tell us a little bit about Community Action Marin and um, some of the um, social justice um, issues that you guys are really tackling every day out there. I, I will talk about that. I wanna say though, you know what? It really comes down to each and every one of us. You gotta save yourself before you can save the world. So let's start from a place of just really recognizing the power that we have as individuals to make change um, and the power that we have. And sometimes that changes mindsets. We just, you know, we're growing, we're learning, we're changing, we're evolving. And if we embrace that, how we show up matters, right? Then it becomes part of a collective that's no longer tolerant of injustice. And that matters too. So I just want to appreciate people who are doing what they can do in their lives. And self-care is a big part of that. Taking care of ourselves, be responsible for our own bodies, our own minds, our own hearts. And then putting that out in the world to be, be able to show up with kindness and compassion. That is huge. I can't tell you in the work that I do every day and the work of Community Action Marin because we are on the front lines of economic recovery, racial and economic justice, pandemic response, and working with incredible people and partners across the county to do that. I can't tell you how much for a frontline uh, worker to be met with a moment of kindness a moment of grace, a moment of appreciation, a moment of just holding space for what's true for them, whatever they're going through in the moment. And that could be, you know, something they don't want to talk about, but you can feel it when you're with them in the room and you know there's stuff and we're dealing with stuff, each and every one of us every day. So there's a lot of stuff out there. So much shit. That's a lot of stuff. stuff. It's just called shit. Cause we've got all these piles of shit everywhere. All of us. 
Uh, a lot do. of stuff that I didn't think we'd still be dealing with two years later, like to be honest. None of, none of us did. And I mean, you, you asked about the agency that I work for. So Community Action Marin is the largest nonprofit social services agency in Marin County. We've been doing this work for over 50 years. Um, but I'll tell you, you know, with the pandemic, of course, for everyone, everything has changed. And the ways in which mental health issues have come to light, the ways in which the, um, the backbone of the economy, our early childhood education workforce, primarily women of low income, people of color, um, you know, the, the folks who, who have really kept the engine going, you know, it's, it's people in our community who are often invisible and are certainly marginalized. And that's what we're, you know, when you talk about getting real, you, you talk about what do we see and we not want to see, that's the work of social justice, is putting that out in a way that says, if we can have care and compassion for what needs to happen to keep schools running and, you know, healthcare workers safe and people housed, if we can talk about that and hold space for one another, wow, we're doing a good job. So that's what I'm committed to. And like I said, everyday social justice really comes back to each and every one of us. It seems like so much of the, the social, social justice issues that are out there today have become really over-politicized. Like, for example, I don't know when keeping healthcare workers safe became a political issue, but somehow it did. So um, it, it feels like, it, it feels to me like it's hard as an individual to have an impact on uh, everything out there with, it, with, as, with as angry and divisive as the world is. So um, what would you say to someone like me who just doesn't know what just little old me by myself can do to change the world? Yeah, look, we often think that we've got to, and our world trains us to think about impact and numbers that are, you know, and measures. And, you know, we're often um, looking for something big. And I got to tell you, it's got to, got to come back down to what can you do every day to show up with kindness and compassion and an open mind and an open heart to be in relationship with people, right? It's how you treat someone. It's what you say, it, you know, and that takes practice. I've been doing the work of, of, of being a leader in, in uh, the nonprofit sector for a long time. And I've learned, if I've learned anything, it's that those things matter. That we can't be successful in getting to outcomes that matter and impact that's visible at the level of individuals and families and community until we start from a place of compassion and kindness and a real willingness to be in relationship. We're human beings. When I talked about mental health challenges before, it's because we've been isolated and cut off and disconnected and separated and, you know, using technology to try and have a conversation where, you know, think about the energy in a room. What happens when people get together? When we don't have that, we are challenged. So unless we start from a place of acknowledging our humanness, that we're social beings, you know, we're not going to really get to meaningful change. And so when you talk, Stacey, about what can you do, that's what you can do is say, you know what, I can be kind today. I can treat somebody with compassion. I can actually spread my love, whatever that means for me. And that could be a smile. That could be an extra tip. That could be kindness in a moment where you don't know what's going on for another person. And they treated you really really badly, right? And you're like, you know what? I'm going to not go there today. I'm That person was like rude and obnoxious. I'm just going to show up with like, you know what? That's so not about me. 
that's not about me. And if you can hold that awareness to be in relationship with the crap, right? <laughs> but say, you know what, I'm still going to be kind. I'm going to come from a place of my caring no matter what. Now, that doesn't mean to ignore stuff that hurts or is wrong or like, I'm not saying that. I'm not talking about being nice, right? Let's, let's really talk about that difference. It's not about being nice. I'm talking about being kind. I'm talking about shifting to a place of that open-hearted perspective that says, your shit's about you. And I'm going to, I'm going to be in relationship with you in a way that reflects what's important to me. But it goes and that's back about to like my integrity. Yeah. That grace conversation, you know, with giving one and another grace. So as you speak, I just want to like sit down and just, I just get into you, man. I think you are just the coolest woman. I met you at, we were, you and I were sitting, uh, we were invited to an event. We were sitting next to each other and I'll, I remember explicitly somebody had come up to you and was trying to have a conversation with you and you were not wanting to have that conversation. And you kind of turned to this person and had some, some, I wouldn't say spicy words, but I was like, this woman's in control and I want to know who she is. And you and I walked along and we started to have a conversation and just kind of met each other. And real quickly, I realized that you and I, we work much, Stacy included, you know, because we see the other side of Marin County and we see the other side that, you know, 90% of people don't see. And it's a very scary place to be, you know, for many families that we serve and to get up and do that work and to have that ability to have that impact on people. That's a big responsibility that you and I share and you and I don't take for granted. And so waking up every day and doing all the things that you do and we all do, you know, in this, in the sector that we're in the nonprofit space, I mean, it takes a lot to do that. Your journey to become the woman you are today is something that I really wanted to talk about because it's not like you just woke up one day and you were like, Hey, I'm going to go and change the world, right? This has been a lifelong pursuit of yours in many different, you know, career paths, but here you are, you know, what, what was that driving moment for you that you woke up one day and said, Hey, this is the direction I want to go in as a career. What was that moment for you? I remember it well, but first I got to thank you for doing what you do. And I so feel like we're in this together and Oh my goodness, it all matters. And it all matters so much. So thank you for speaking to that. Um, so I, uh, I was working in the financial services industry in New York City. That's where I'm from. And it was, my gosh, mid-90s. And that's kind of what you did after college where I was. And you went into investment banking, something, you know, some, and so I remember sort of following that track and waking up one morning and saying, this is not me. This is not who, this is what people expect of me. This is what I thought I was supposed to do. This is what I've been acculturated to do. But then when I felt into what really mattered to me, I said, I don't want to. And I remember I wore fish nuts to work that day because I was like, I'm not going to do this anymore. <laughs> I'm getting out of here. Um, so it was Nobody very, uh, fish nuts to Wall Street jobs. Oh, I so did. It was really great. I and that. I, it was my last day, but I'll tell you though, that was one of one of the hardest decisions I made because I had no idea what I wanted to do. And I felt so lost for so long. I tried to figure out my passion, but I feel like, and often it's really true for us as women, it's beaten out of us. You know, it's beaten out of so many people, but it's really beaten about, out of us when 
uh, where you know we're told that to be accepted or acceptable, we got to do this and this and this. And that's what I thought. You know, I was sort of following the playbook that I thought was going to get me love, acceptance, success. I don't know what word you want to put on it. And then I really, really spent a long time searching. Um, but I kept coming back again and again and again to people matter. Um, it matters that we stay connected. It matters that we care. It matters that there's an equity. I care about that. Why have I fought so hard um, you know, for the planet and for women and for people without um, representation at the table? You know, Those have been my fights. Sometimes it's actually from when I was much, much younger, it was the voiceless. I was a super advocate for animal rights. Like it just started with the people who were the creatures who we, you know, were in it together with and we found sustenance from or helped support us. And yet, hey, where are they? And when I started to see that, I came back to it again and again and again. And I said, I don't know. I'm just going to figure this out. I'm going to use what I know. I started in the, in the nonprofit sector, leveraging my operations finance expertise and sort of built a pathway forward. But again and again, came, came back to human rights, um, the rights of, of folks who didn't have a voice at the table or a seat at the table. Um, Why do you think it is forward. that so many people like... More people could totally stand up and make a difference for people, you know, like that don't have a voice. But so many people, you know, Stacey's question was like, how can I get involved? But like unpeeling a little bit more, like why don't yeah. more people get involved? It's always the same folks that are doing the work. Yeah. And why is, I mean, it's like that with everything. 80-20 rule. It, I guess. 80-20 rule of life. But you know, you know what I got to say, I, I talked about like mindsets. This is so important because I've come to realize that so much of the societal training that we get and the education that we get is all about a zero sum game. There are winners and there are losers and you either got a piece of the pie or you don't. And so you got to fight for your piece of pie. And I think a lot of why people step away is because they're like, oh my God, I've got this. I got to hang on to this. And you don't realize that giving it away is liberatory. Giving it away is freedom. Giving it away is, is deeper acceptance of self and of others. Giving it away is social justice. And that's really, really hard. That's really hard, you know, when you've got and you're like, I'm, I'm not going to, you know, nimbyism in Marin, right? Think about the housing crisis. Think about the challenges. I don't want that in my backyard. No, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to put affordable housing here because that means, and it's a stereotype, it's the mindset, the stories we tell ourselves. Let's change that. Look, what can you do? Stop, you know, repeating the, the stories that perpetuate these, you know, visuals of folks who just didn't work hard enough. And that's why they're poor. Who, who just didn't, you know, pull themselves up by their bootstrap to got Let's welfare. Let's go back who, to poor in Marin County is like, if you're making a hundred thousand dollars, you're poor, right? $126,000 for a family of four in Marin is meeting your basic needs. That's it. $126,000 family of four, two parents, a toddler, a younger child, or, or a preschooler or older, whatever. Point is, Around that amount of money means you're only meeting basic needs. You're paying your rent. You're putting food on the table. You're not having to choose between paying your rent and putting food on the table. Basic level of self-sufficiency, $126,000. You know what the federal poverty line is for a family of four? Yeah, it's under 30K. So the point is we have people in Marin living at the federal poverty line or below, right? During a pandemic when even if you double that, 
you're facing conditions that are deplorable. And you think about the, the rates of COVID infection in places like the canal where there's incredible poverty, disproportionate impacts people, you know, living in overcrowded situations because there isn't affordable housing. And you're like, okay, so how do we strive for equity here? How are we going to be a voice at the table? How are we going to change the situation? We got to stop being so committed to our piece of the pie and say, what can we do to be there with people? And that's really difficult work. So nobody said this is easy, <laughs> but that's so, really so difficult work. What, uh, I'm, uh, this is not my response, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw this out there anyway. What do you say to the people who come back and say, there is no equity. That's not how the world works. The world is not equitable. This is a capitalist society. The world's not, not fair. The world's not fair. That's true. That's really true. Look at nature and the natural world. It's not fair. I don't think anybody would argue that it was fair. There's unfairness in the world. But equity isn't equal. Equity actually means caring about people in a way that helps to support access to opportunities, access to potential, right? Take an example. I mean, this is actually increasingly popular in social media. The example of the historical denial of women's accomplishments because of patriarchy, right? There are, more, there are more and more examples, but this is, this is it, right? Coming yeah. to light of the systemic oppression of women's talents and voice. So you could say, what if that hadn't been denied and women had had access to, and that's just one example, and you could pick it for any marginalized yeah. group, but yeah, capitalism is patriarchy under pressure, right? It's all essentially the same challenge of pitting us against them. And our work is to say, I won't play that game anymore. Like the person I talked about earlier, who's really shitty to you in line at the supermarket and you're like that's so not about me right now and you pause for a moment before you respond and you say i really hope you have a good day and you do it with kindness fuck you, you know? too <laughs> inside look, you're like hey fuck you asshole. you know what i gotta i gotta tell you that's the journey because when you ask about like how i got here part of how i and i i don't know if i said this before i'm originally from new york i'm from flushing you know, like I've got that in me. And it's funny because my husband's Canadian. And so we talk about culture, right? And my daughter knows, she says, yeah, mom's a New Yorker, dad's a Canadian. She won't say I'm American. She knows not to say that. <laughs> but I, so I have that. It, I could do that. I could do that all day, but it doesn't serve me and it doesn't serve my goals or my objectives. Yes. And so the practice and the discipline of showing up again and again, you Stacey, when you're going back to what can I do? every day recommitting to yourself to be the person that you want to be in this lifetime wow that's powerful uh, what a, what a different world we would have if everybody woke up with that same attitude it just everything everything would be different honestly well i was reading something about how more people donate money to to dog and animal charities than they do i was reading some study than they do to women and also Easier. children. And I'm like, if, you know, I'm, I believe in support anything and everything. I mean, find something that you're, you're about, but I found that fascinating that, that is it because we don't want to think about it. We want to ignore it. We want to pretend like it doesn't it, exist. 
it's easier because look, how many people who donate to, you know, the dog shelter have a wife, a sister, an aunt, somebody who they adore and love, a daughter, right? It's harder to say, oh my gosh, the inequities exist there too, right? It's like the, oh, but I have a black friend. Oh, but I have a daughter. Oh, but I have a, well, is that going to change the world? No, I don't think so, right? That's not going to do it. It's harder to come out and say, yeah, I have a black friend and maybe I'm racist in this context too. And I actually have to look at that. Right. You or, have a black friend who has a dog. I mean, no. I, I think it's just harder <laughs> for people to, you know, be willing to self-examine and look in the mirror in a way that takes responsibility for who they are and where they're going and what their choices are. Those choices are really, really important. How is, yeah. how is, I, I would imagine that with COVID over the last two years, your the responses that your agency needs to take have shifted. Um, have you, have you seen a change in sort of your, your approach and your response to the community and, and the needs of the community? I mean, look, you know, it's, the needs have skyrocketed. Let's just be real. You know that they've skyrocketed. You know, there's more people who really do have to make the choice. I can't pay my rent. I can't feed my kids. What, what, you know, so basic safety net support, that blanket of, you know, I can keep things together. Um, that has gone through the roof, right? That's what we're doing. And, you know, the roof is metaphor, like keeping people housed and safe and, and um, able to live and work and serve in this county. That's been our priority. That's really where we've had to double down. And we have incredible partners and partners with the county um, to make that happen have been a huge, huge um, part of helping to get uh, rental assistance out across the county. But look, it's, it's all of it. I mentioned mental health services. You know, that's another big piece of what we do. All of the basic supports that help people stay self-sufficient or get to self-sufficiency are what we're focused on. You know, it's, um, it's not gonna go away anytime soon. We're talking about economic recovery, but economic recovery in Marin as many other places, I mean, this is an issue of racial justice. This is not to be divorced from how we think about the inequities in the county. Economic recovery requires the people who are doing the work that holds up the economy. And, you know, I go back to childcare. Our agency is the Head Start grantee in Marin County. That means we provide free childcare for people who are at or below the federal poverty line. Um, right now it's at 200% of the federal poverty line because of COVID, which is, which is great. But um, it still means people who are, like I said before, you know, making maybe 50K a year. And that could be, that's a family of four, right? It's just unconscionable. Um, and so they're forced into really difficult living situations. We know about the overcrowding. We know uh, about the, the challenges. Um, but keeping childcare open means people can get to work and people can support the economy. It means they can get to school and better themselves and have, you know, their children um, look up to them and see, you know, they're working hard. They're doing what they can do. I mean, these are the essential services that we need to think about. How do we get to where we want to be? And it's not just closing our doors and saying, oh, yeah, that's somebody else's problem. Right. That's what, we're, that's what we're here talking about. I mean, that's what you do. That's what you do. It's not somebody else's problem. You've taken ownership of that. You said, no, this is, this is actually something I can make a contribution to because I'm going to put a smile on somebody's face today. And I'm committed to that. Well, and I think to more people, when they realize how good it feels to do good, whether you're donating your time, your treasure, your knowledge, whatever, I feel, I can't tell you how many people come up to me and they're like, you know, you said it was going to feel good. 
to wrap gifts or go, you know, go down and volunteer my time. And it did make me feel good. And it's like, I think a lot of times people just don't really know how to do it or what the, what the right steps are to make it happen. Um, and I think that once they rip that bandaid off, it's like, it, it becomes a whole other set of purpose. And I think that's just something that's going to happen organically and need to continue to happen on a bigger scale to make a bigger impact in our areas. But I mean, there will always be people that need help and animals that need help and, you know, <laughs> needs. There will always be there. And there'll always be people like us that are going to be doing everything we can. Um, and I think it's just, you know, finding that space on the, the wheel that's turning that makes sense for you and, and finding your why, you know, find, everybody needs to find their why that gets them up in the morning and go after it. Yeah. I have something I was thinking about some of the questions, um, you know, about lessons and, you know, sort of what got me here. I, I wanted to share a thought. Um, and it's, it's one of my greatest lessons that I hope is helpful as we're thinking about finding our why and connecting to purpose and all of that. And I also want to address that, you know, Marin is what, 83% white, right? Like there's also this thing around white guilt. And how do we act from a place of our own integrity at the same time that we're helping to, to move a social justice agenda forward? And I think that's really important. So one of the lessons that I've learned, and it's been a really powerful lesson, is um, to be able to say I'm sorry and to disconnect. This is really important. To disconnect saying I'm sorry from thinking that you're wrong or that you did something bad, right? Because I know that I grew up in a household where if I said I was sorry, it meant that I was wrong, right? And that's most of what our culture teaches us. That's a very sort of um, common frame for us, but it actually doesn't. I've learned, and I want to share this with you as we seek to actually promote greater equity, access to opportunity, and, you know, people connecting to their passion and one another around what's possible for all of us so we can be happy. Um, is, is that actually saying you're sorry means that you give a shit, actually means you care. I like you know? that. Yeah. So it's a way to help us move from, I don't know what to do. I feel guilty for my privilege, whatever your privilege is, skin color or otherwise, right? Affluence or otherwise. And move to a place of actually it means I care because it's a road and a step toward healing for all of us. And if there's anything we need at this moment, it's the grace of a willingness to heal ourselves and other people. And we can only do that in relationship. We got to show up. We got to show up. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, and I've said this, um, and it, it's kind of like a funny little aphorism for me. Now you can either be right, or you can be in relationship, right? Because so often we're so committed to being right that we exclude and alienate others. Right. Think about that. You were talking about sort of, you know, whether it's political polarization around specific issues or whatever it is. Right. But as human creatures in a society of connection, where what we're yearning for is love and acceptance, we can choose to be committed to being right no matter what. Or we can actually make a different choice and we can say I'm sorry and say I'm sorry because we care about being in relationship with other people and then working through the stuff. And like I said, we all said it's hard work, but if we can have and adopt a willingness to change our mindset and how we think about coming to the table vulnerable, I'm sorry. 
And you don't have to be like, I, I was wrong about X, Y. It doesn't matter. But it opens up a doorway to a conversation that promotes healing and justice at the end. And of being the day. uncomfortable and being uncomfortable because I think a lot of people, I mean, nobody likes to be, nobody likes to be uncomfortable, but I think so much growth and personal growth, external, internal growth occurs when you are uncomfortable. Fleece, would you agree? I think one of the greatest things you ever said to me was I'm the best I am when I'm uncomfortable, right? Well, yeah. If you, if you stay in your comfort zone, you're never going to grow and expand your capabilities, whether you're talking about work capabilities or life capabilities, parenting capabilities, right? So challenging yourself means to go to a place where you may not have all the skills in front of you to do it. And it may, it may be difficult and it may feel awkward. Um, but that's, that's where you become a better version of you. And, um, you know, I, I, I think, especially now in this world, we could all use a little better version of ourselves. This world needs a lot of grace and healing right now that, uh, Sadly, I, I don't see on the horizon. And um, I guess all I can do is just be my own little change and and uh, hope we can see that in others as well. Well, I think it's definitely true. And I think that all of us are examples of women that are doing that and trying to empower others that are around us to do that um, on our day-to-day and just wake up and, and be, be the best we can be. So... I mean, I'm so just awestruck and like I, I, I came on this call and I was like, I'm tired, but I knew who we were talking to tonight. And I got to be honest, I feel so much better. And I just feel like my smile is ear to ear. Um, what an honor. And just thank you for taking time with us this evening, morning, whenever you're listening, because I know for myself, I, I definitely live my life wanting to be impactful every day. But I know this takeaway of this conversation will leave many others to also feel impacted. So thank you, my girl, for joining us. And uh, we will put uh, Community Action Marin on our show notes so you can learn a little bit more about um, this great organization you were so wonderfully changing the world with. And with that, we leave everyone with uh, a farewell and go out there and be inspired.